0: everyone and welcome to Waiting to Be Signed, the show where we were to discuss the events in generative art. My name is Trinity and I'm joined by Will. And before we get started, a quick disclaimer. We are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics but the money surrounding it, as the market is a key part of art on the blockchain. That said, nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice, it is for fun and conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Waiting to Sign to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week, or for those who prefer visual language on Instagram at waiting to be signed. If you are feeling generous, we are always accepting donations, including tokens, at our Tez wallet address, wtbs.tez, or our ETH address, wtbs.eth. That said, the best way you can support the show is by collecting the FX text article that accompanies each episode. It's a great way to follow along with all the art and other references that we discuss, and it is always appreciated. Disclaimers aside, happy Friday, will...
1: We made it another week.
0: Was that at risk?
1: (laughs) It's just been a busy week. Yeah. You know, I don't know about about you, but when I have like driving intensive trips like the one I had and and yours was even more intensive, I feel like it's like I didn't get a weekend, you know, and then it's just back into the grind of the week again. So looking forward to not driving this week.
0: And also driving with a baby is always a lot longer than it was. Like I think normally we could make the tour. Yeah. In like eight and a half hours, but you know, between stops, lunch, whatever, I think it was more than ten hours each way. We listened to a lot of podcasts.
1: Oh, did you listen to Other World?
0: Yeah, we did. It was great. We actually just started and ran through, I think, the first ten or eleven episodes, rather than just going through the ones that you recommended.
1: Gotcha. The reason I made some of those recommendations is because I think, in particular, the first episode is kind of weak. Mm. I would not like want anyone to start on the first one because like the, the jump in the second one, like the story in the second one is just so much more compelling. And But I'm glad you enjoyed it. I mean, that's a huge – I have a huge just endorsement of that show in general for anyone who likes supernatural, unexplained stuff. It's called Otherworld. Great
0: show. One word, not Otherworlds. It it took us a long time to figure out which podcast oh, it was. Oh, right.
1: Yeah. I think there's some similarly named ones.
0: But it's the one about paranormal activities for the most part. Just stories. It's very loose. I'm surprised that you liked it because it seems so loose.
1: Uh oh, the structure of the episodes? And
0: also the editing. All of the ums, all of the urs.
1: Right. So he doesn't take that stuff out, but yeah. he talks to some of these people for two, three, four interviews, like hours and hours. So there's a lot of content editing and like tearing down the story into yeah. what it's,
0: it's the storytelling or
1: is. Yeah. And also he takes himself out almost entirely. You can kind of tell in the edits, like where someone kind of changes topic and he must have prompted them. He's part of these conversations. I agree though. It could be tighter. It can always I be tighter. I enjoy the theme
0: song <laughs> a lot. It's a
1: great theme song. It's a banger. It's a little stranger things ish.
0: I think it's also um, coast to coast ish.
1: Yeah, definitely an influence for this show. If you were listening to it just in order, you've got so much to look forward to still. Some really good multi-part episodes that you probably haven't gotten to yet, like including one that's a four-part series.
0: Oh, we definitely haven't gotten to that one.
1: That one really goes places. And I think there's a lot more coming as well. Like He's about to drop a big chunk on Alien stuff, I think. Mm. He's been kind of teasing it for a while, and I think it's been a lot of interviews, and I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be many, many episodes of amazing stories.
0: (laughs) I've appreciated some of the ones that are also less alien focused.
1: Some of them are really subtle, right? Like they're just like, I had these weird dreams kind of. And that that sounds boring, but they're not boring.
0: Yeah. I don't have any paranormal experiences to call in and share about. I don't know about you.
1: Unfortunately, no. Sometimes I get worried that by listening to the show, like more spooky things are going to happen to me.
0: You're worried about that. It seems exciting.
1: Some of the stories are very depressing, yeah, people have a lot of problems associated with but their some of them are like they're very
0: positive experiences or just very mind opening. like the one with the guy who was in a car crash when he was a kid, you know obviously the car crash was not a great experience, but his parent the paranormal side of that one had a really amazing impact on his life in many ways.
1: Yeah, that's a very common theme. And the other interesting theme that comes up a lot is like people who were like, I was never into this spooky stuff. I'm actually don't even think that it is paranormal. I think that there's like some real explanation for what happened to me that I just don't understand. Like the people themselves are not going out every weekend to like supernatural conferences and getting their fortunes told and doing all of that stuff, right? They are like, for the most part, very grounded people, which is I think what makes it compelling too, because they're not. They're not coming in with the, like, oh, all my life, I've always seen ghosts and I've always seen aliens. It's just like, this is like the one thing that's happened to this one person that they just can't figure out.
0: Yeah. I guess in other news, there is a very good chance that governments around the world will be soon revealing our involvement with aliens, TBD.
1: I have no idea what to make of any of that stuff, to be honest. But I do expect some of it to come up on other worlds soon, which will be really interesting.
0: And maybe even this podcast.
1: I mean, if it's crazy stuff that is revealed, I'm sure that will come up on this show in some way. I'm sure we won't be able to avoid talking about it, but there's one character you haven't met yet named Wendy and she uh, is, I guess, a pretty, you know, by her accounting and by people who the host has talked to, like a very special medium type person, like she does deep channeling and gets like visions in a sense, like connecting to people and then she has been on the show and spoken tangentially about her philosophy about aliens because of some of the deep meditative, like, trances she's gone into and things that she's learned just about reality and the universe as a whole. She just says the aliens are us, but I don't know if that means they're from the future.
0: Oh, okay. Or what? That totally makes sense. And it kind of segues into a book that I just finished reading. Oh, which one? It's called Children of Time, it's a sci fi story. If I say that the aliens are us, it's not really a spoiler, but it essentially (laughs) takes place like tens of thousands of years in the future. Mm. It's about the two forks of humanity in a way, because obviously humanity is terrible and destroys itself in the first chapter. Spoiler alert. But is it the remnants of the human race that are meant to inherit the universe or is it the intellectual offspring that will inherit? Mm. So it's basically life that man created in some respects. And so they're just off of divergent journeys. A lot of talk about evolution, a lot of talk about being frozen in space.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a huge theme in sci-fi usually. (laughs) Children
0: of time, yes. But it's just a really great tale that in scope, it reminds me a lot of the three-body problem, but kind of taking it from a different angle, definitely more from the other Perspective of like I guess the alien perspective or the seeking the seeker's perspective.
1: I mean, three-body problem is always a good comparison to make. So. It also has one hundred
0: percent less propaganda
1: from the Chinese government. Ah, uh, come on! I think you have to be pretty tuned into the politics of the world to be influenced by the propaganda. No, it was, was it, it was interesting it's, it's to read. It was a really it. interesting viewpoint
0: yeah. to read because like it was very obvious that it is a Chinese book, but it's also interesting to think about. What are some of the strong viewpoints that are put into American literature or sci-fi? Yeah. Children of Time is written by a Brit. So kind of neutral in that regard.
1: Uh, Neutral as in who cares what British politics are?
0: (laughs) No, I'm just saying it's uh, not the US. It's uh, not China.
1: Well, that's a good aside. Speaking of Britain, one of our favorite Brits, Jamie, is probably pulling his hair out right now at how long this uh, intro has been. Should we talk about some news, Trinity?
0: Yeah, we could talk about news. I missed some of these things because I was basically out until yesterday traveling and offline, but there's some really big stuff coming out of FXHash, which is crazy cool.
1: Yeah, it's really exciting to see some of the things that we've been talking about on the show. I mean, dating back to our second episode of Cypher, like redeemables, they're finally here. A new feature rolling out on the platform, albeit in a kind of constrained way. And with a pretty big artist who had never released on FX hash before either. Yeah. It came out of nowhere. I had like no, all of a sudden it was just like, boom, it's Monday. There's an FX fam. We're doing redeemables starting now. Like, whoa.
0: And so redeemables for people who are brand new to the world of FX hash, it is essentially a another level that an artist can put onto their token where any token can be consumed but still exist it's like uh you have a bottle of water and you drink the the water but the bottle's still there right
1: yeah it's like a binary state like the token is either full or empty and they're, they're default to full at mint
0: it's backwards compatible to all tokens any token can be redeemable no matter when it was released
1: yeah that was the part i didn't expect actually
0: yeah it's really cool and it sounds like the redeemable aspect there can be multiple ways to redeem it so if you have an RGB, for example, it could theoretically be redeemable for a shirt and a reserve spot and a hat and a print, <laughs> but only once for each of those modalities. But you could get all of those modalities.
1: Physical product is the most interesting one and it kind of continues on the theme. But of course, like that comes to the cost. And so the token that they released this week with Joni La Mercier was pretty expensive because the price of the plot. And I think maybe even the shipping
0: Mm -hmm. is
1: included in the token. So like, if you have a token that's not been spent, you can claim that plot and it costs you nothing. I'm not sure how that will work in your RGB case, right? Like I have an RGB, if they decide to turn it on the spendability of this token, will there be a way for them to say like, you can spend this for a hat that has your RGB on it, but it's going to cost you 50 bucks. Right. Or something like that.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure
1: that was my big question about this like retroactive application of expendables or redeemables because reserveless you know giving a reserve spot that doesn't cost anything no right it just it's just the opportunity cost of letting a random person in but yeah. it doesn't cost dollars yeah hmm. but it's really cool right i mean we see we saw verse doing physical stuff we've seen people doing physical stuff tonic for a obviously yeah, tonic and now fx hash is doing it in their own way and i hope we see more stuff soon Yeah, it's been a while since we had a Cypher drop. It would be cool if Cypher did something.
0: We can definitely keep up with anything that is retroactively set as redeemable because it is a new filter on the explore page as well.
1: Oh, it's
0: um, the two main filters are FX params and redeemable. Not so much redeemable at the moment, just the one, but hopefully more to come. And it's not blocked per se, but it's not open on the platform yet Uh, it looks like if you're an artist who wants to use it you have to get in touch with the team and they'll work with you to kind of get everything set up and figured out
1: i feel like the pressure is on now that the feature is released for us to figure out how to do something with it
0: it is that'll be a more
1: long-term project yeah other fx hash news this week fx versa this was an announcement from yesterday right
0: yes it just also kind of came out of nowhere
1: this is from the verse verse who i don't think we've Really discuss them too too much, but they do a lot of stuff with like generative poetry, generative writing. Like they're a very literary form of generative art on blockchain.
0: I think it was created by Ross Goodwin, who we've talked about before.
1: Yeah, but it's, is it formally merging with them, or are they making like a new Im- brand or impression called Versa that's going to live entirely on FX Hash?
0: The URL is versa dot So. It looks like the Verseverse will be maintaining other arms of it, with Versa being the way that people can collect the poetry, and it's not living on FX Hash. It's powered by FX Hash. The main difference okay. is if it was on FX Hash, it would be fxhash.com/versa. This one, it's just pushing the tokens from a back end perspective onto the Verseverse so that people can collect it through that front end. First, the FX hash front end.
1: And that in theory would give them access to things like params, right?
0: Only if that's enabled for FX text.
1: These are like FX text is, articles.
0: Yeah. Yes. These are FX text articles. And these actually are also not showing up on the FX hash.xyz slash articles page. It's hmm. only showing up on the verse verse. It looks like one of these articles is completely sold out. Other ones are available for about 15 TES each.
1: Awesome, I mean, this is kind of like a little bit of what we've been talking about. I can't remember the last time we mentioned it, but just like powered by FxHash, like FxHash becoming a base layer to provide the tools for other platforms to build on. Mm-hmm. So kind of nice to see FX Text being leveraged in this way.
0: Absolutely, I think that it's a game changer because I think that there's a huge market for writing on the blockchain. I think a lot of people right now, especially if they're writing more of the creative stuff, it just kind of lives out there for people to consume for free. And maybe that's great. There's no economy around it. It's very pure. But also it's an easy way for people to support those folks and support authors, which I like a lot. And I think it makes a lot of sense for Tezos as the art and culture blockchain, if you will.
1: Definitely. And then also launching this week, the random timeline
0: yeah i mean the entire website is live there's a lot on there
1: they've got the first chunk of the generative art timeline it looks great on my computer i was trying to look at it on my phone yesterday and it wasn't as good of an experience but on my computer it looks fantastic this catches us up to like the 1850s here this section kind of just functions as like a history of art more than anything
0: I mean, like a history of algorithms. It's a history of math in many respects.
1: Right. Yeah. Surprising some of the things that were included here, but all important, kind of like just breakthroughs and discoveries that led to people better understanding geometry or, yeah, like algorithmic processes that have led to the creation of art that we know now.
0: Mm -hmm. A really big theme of the Children of Time book also, standing on the, the shoulders of giants.
1: Very cool. They also published their collection So you can officially see everything that they do hold. You know, we knew some pieces here and there that we had kind of gathered based on big sales in the past. I'm just scrolling through it right now for the first time. Huge Mm Kamesendorf section. It's all in alphabetical order.
0: And I think a lot of this might not necessarily be blockchain art either. Definitely some stuff from big folks in the past. It's really nicely laid out kind of in the style of a DECA gallery. It's a great collection, and I think just kind of does a, a really good job at showing the breadth and styles of work that exist within generative art across time.
1: Yeah, really good. I'm excited to dig through this and see everything that they have. But yeah, very cool to see it live, and excited to see the timeline continue to build. This is an mm-hmm. amazing project.
0: And there's a lot more on on the site as well. You know, There are artist pages. It's just this really great resource to understand everything about active and former generative artists it's very similar to some of the um like what tender's doing in some respects about being a resource for generative art as a whole instead of just being more project-based
1: i think it's very funny that they included their qql mint pass (laughs) but not a minted piece in their collection they still haven't cashed it in (laughs) mint those qqls Uh but perhaps that speaks to like the value side of the fund to degree like definitely the mint passes are worth more and will probably retain more value in the future yeah
0: i think it's also more culturally relevant yeah in many respects
1: so yeah la random launch very cool lots to explore here check out the Muganti interview if you want to learn more about what they're doing and the generative art timeline let's keep moving in the episode trinity i'm gonna do donations and this week i'm excited about it are you
0: <laughs> yeah donations are always exciting no matter what happens but
1: Well, this week we actually have a few, which is exciting to share. We received a Fossilium from MOLF. Sean Yost sent us two Wait, one of the projects from Bernie, and two offerings for your listening pleasure by Tobias. Two people from Tender who are playing with AI art, very cool to see. An anonymous wallet that we couldn't figure out sent us a Pang. And Roxanne came through with a 100 Tez donation. Very, very generous. Definitely go back and check out our interview with Roxanne as well and his appearance on Ken's show. Thank you everyone for those donations.
0: Maybe it's a sign of things picking up again. Maybe. Yeah, I think we can say that we've qualitatively experienced, you know, there were a lot of different shows happening this weekend across different platforms, different blockchains. But you know we have a list of weekly projects, and it's this is so a long, this week. lengthy <laughs> list of weekly projects. It was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a giant episode in terms of art.
1: It is really getting difficult to bring everything together and then figure out like what we need to talk about and focus on as we're trying to keep track of more and more platforms, and also just like these different exhibitions and stuff that are happening on FX Hash. Even I don't know if things are thawing out yet i guess the most encouraging thing would be the success that alba has seen with their flatlands exhibit week one this week right that was really encouraging especially considering how inconsistent or just kind of bad it seems that these eth open platforms have been with their success of their releases
0: so we've seen three projects come out so far right with another one uh entry through the print shop coming out today friday as Mm -hmm. we record so yeah you took the time to write down all of the mint outs and 15, 20 minutes, two minutes for uh, the drop yesterday to year by Zofokari. It's very FX hash, good market.
1: It's what it feels like. And, you know, FX hash artists. <laughs> right? Yeah, Chris has been, I guess, like in the zone working on this one. It was actually great how they put them together because they kind of felt connected. Yeah. Both them kind of being like poster design based projects.
0: It's within the theme of Flatlands as well.
1: For sure. But yeah, I mean, I don't really have any big topics this week. We can just kind of talk about the art, I think, because there's so much and see what we can get to. How's that sound?
0: Yeah. I mean, should we? do you want to stick with Flatlands as an exhibition?
1: Sure. I mean, it's impressive. It's surprising. And there's, I think, a couple of factors coming into it, right? Like, it, it seems like it's really well curated. They've picked artists that people know. And obviously, people know Dan from... Not just FXHash, but he's released work on Artblocks as well, and he's done other stuff on ETH. You know, Chris, Zulfikari, I don't know how well they're probably known outside of FXHash land.
0: They have a really big following on Instagram. Mm. They've released a ton of work on object. A lot of that work wasn't necessarily generative per se or like code-based, but they've been releasing projects of this style for a really long time.
1: And then I don't really know who Torsten is. But their project looks good, and that you you wrote down exactly what I was thinking. It reminds me a lot of CMYK, mm-hmm. one of the beta classics. There, all the projects feel like they make sense together so far. I'm liking what I'm seeing. I haven't minted anything yet.
0: It sounds like it would have been tough to mint, given
1: exactly, yeah. <laughs> Although the secondary market is pretty af- approachable on these, even though they minted out quickly, and we were just looking at like Dan's project before he went into recording. It actually had a lot of secondary action in its first day of release, like something like 30 or 40 ETH of secondary market action, which is crazy to see like people trading like that. That feels like FX hash. Yeah. That one day bubble of like frenzy as people trade them. But now the floor is down to like
0: half. It feels like generative art.
1: It feels like FX hash. It feels like No, it exactly also feels like, like art FX blocks, hash.
0: right? I mean, that's what happens with a lot of art oh, box yes. pieces as well. That initial flurry of action, I guess, as people collect the pieces they want to collect. Also, uh, Dan put out a series of really great tweets.
1: This is so funny. This is so
0: ETH, where it's people getting into his DMs, being like, hey, I minted Falling Water. I also purchased from the secondary. Volume is bad. People are dumping. Please announce your roadmap and your plan.
1: And there is none.
0: The art is the roadmap.
1: The roadmap is complete when the art is delivered. And if you get anything more, that's just gravy. It's not to be expected. So... Knowing Dan, would offering you the ability to get a print of this be out of the question? No, but that's probably going to cost you additional money and shipping. So it's not like it's going to pump the token. We'll embed the the tweet here because it's so funny. So sorry to this user.
0: And follow up tweet where, you know, somebody's like, well, that person is right. You, Dan, as a founder, you really need to listen to people's feedback. And it's like, (laughs) uh, like, that's the one thing that I love about Dezos is like, all of that shit is just not not there.
1: Yeah. It's funny.
0: On the other flip side of it, it being eth and, you know, there's obviously a much larger collector base. The numbers are there. I don't blame any of these artists for wanting to release on Ethereum. Falling water just on primary generated 10.75 eth.
1: That's incredible.
0: That's incredible, and, you know, I don't know at 256 editions, like what would that need to be priced at in order to make to that To make $20,000. Yeah.
1: So that would need to be like 100 tes or more. Yeah.
0: Right? And that's not going to be viable at any point soon on FXS.
1: No. Like I definitely don't think he would have gotten that price there. And as we're finding out, we've actually been chatting with one of the Alba founders on the side. And it sounds like it didn't cost Dan probably half an need to upload it either. Yeah. So that means that he's keeping quite a good chunk of this, like after the platform split and everything, so that's really nice.
0: Definitely way more profitable for artists than FX hash. I think that's something that gives me pause or causes worry, not yeah. necessarily for FX hash because you know, it's a brand, right? It can start releasing on ETH or Lambda or Solana. If things get really desperate, you know, it would be a huge lift, but it's an entity that's not tied to a specific blockchain, right? It makes me worried about the future of Tezos, just from a market and a viability perspective.
1: I think you have to be a little concerned, for sure. Just because between Verse, Alba, Eclipse, you know, we have Prohibition coming. Obviously, there's still art blocks. There are going to be ways for you to get your work out on ETH in a curated fashion and in a non or lesser curated fashion like some of these other platforms are offering mm-hmm. so I mean there are restrictions to Alba looks like you can't do any kind of pre-rendered components so that would rule out people who are working with like hybrid AI approaches like a Navona or a Thomas Noya mm-hmm. so it's not like fully fully open in the way that FX hash is just like has no opinion FX hash just says like if you want to make a PFP make a PFP like put it here we don't care you can do whatever you want yeah it doesn't seem like there's anyone on eth who's truly trying to be like Fully open, no rules, no stops at all. But even so, like most of these artists that we love are doing code base work. They've got a lot of options and a lot of flexibility. And if you can make 10x the money releasing on Alba, why would you say no to that out of loyalty to a blockchain?
0: Right, maybe that's one of those things where you release on one and try to collect on the other, but that's not going to be sustainable either. I think it's a bit of a conundrum. You know, obviously a lot of these platforms are still in more of that beta period. Alba's not truly open yet. And, you know, when you're showing up on a page, you know, as a part of like the flatlands where there's a lot of really great work, what happens when you're surrounded by work that might not be as great, which is kind of what we see with FXHash.
1: It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. We need to see some of these platforms go open. See how much of a filter, first of all, the cost is. Yeah. If it's a hundred or two hundred or five hundred dollars to get your project up, how much of a filter is that from someone who might just want to put up a low effort project for the sake of experimentation? I think a lot of that stuff is just still gonna by path of least resistance go to FX hash. Like when I was learning to code and making those projects, if it cost me like two hundred bucks to put it up, I'd be like, Oh, I don't know that we can even make make that back, right? So yeah. That would have certainly stopped me. But then that also just helps like the overall quality of the projects. So it cuts both ways.
0: Yeah, but we could have also charged more for it, right? I mean, it would have been a risk for sure. Yeah. But, yeah. Or even the
1: one I did for free, right? That wasn't mm-hmm. like the waiting to be signed token that I put out under my name. Like I definitely would have not spent $200 to put that up.
0: Really? It was great.
1: But I would have wanted it to be free. Like the reason I did it is because it was a project where I was learning. I would want yeah. it to be free. I had no expectation of making money off of it. I mean, you could out of the goodness of your heart. And artists still might do that, right? I could totally see artists putting up free projects on these platforms if they had already a good like secure amount of income for the year. Just for fun. Yeah. But not someone like me who's like just doing it for, as a one-time thing.
0: I know. I think it's something we'll have to keep tracking and monitoring. And, you know, even with this one Alba exhibition, we're less than halfway through. There's a lot of stuff upcoming by a lot of people who have released on FX Ash and elsewhere.
1: Yeah. Including this this White Cross piece, which looks really good. Spacio Colore is in Looking Ahead. But I was playing with this earlier in the week. And like the outputs are really nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's a rebate touch auction. So even though it's a DA, like having that feature built in just makes a lot of sense. Like, I don't know. Is this where we start to become ETH flippers slash collectors, I guess, but also flippers, speculators?
1: I don't know. I think this is definitely what I'm going to mint. It looks really good. If the timing lines up, what would you compare it most to? Kind of like some of the work that Lars Wander has done, but then more compressed into like a tighter. Like more more filling uh, of the canvas.
0: Yeah, the preview image there from a palette perspective, it looks like Lars. But I think some of the other palettes that we've seen in some of the early mints are way less so. They're much more on like that pastel side.
1: There's quite a lot of variety in here. It, it, it also reminds me a little bit of like the Volatile Moods stuff. Yeah. And some other artists who have done stuff in this kind of like painted Colorful style, but lots of crazy compositions here. It feels like a good ass generative piece to me, <laughs> which is why I'm excited yeah. to try to mint it.
0: While still maintaining that poster-like quality that is, you know, in mm-hmm. some of the other pieces within the exhibition.
1: The palace that have a little bit of black in them are pretty,
0: pretty yeah. nice. I just rolled a monochromatic one that looks like a, the profile of a person's head. Very cool.
1: <laughs> Very nice.
0: This opens in three days, so I guess on Monday. Oh, perfect. Monday's going to be a really big day.
1: I want to talk to you about your favorite of the week. I want you to sell me on this piece. I know you didn't mint it, but I did not you mint it. it no,
0: but my favorite of the week is I mean, maybe it's a cop out for it being a favorite of the week, but it is the Art Blocks curated piece that came out this week called Dopamine Machines by Steve Pickleney, 777 editions, a Ducks auction that started at a very uh, appropriate price of 199 or 1.99. And it minted out at 0.23. I understand why you probably don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's an animated piece that has all of these different frames, and it just is kind of screaming at you. And even the description, it's like all caps, like marketing language, like, wow, top art critics agree. Dopamine machines is the hottest generative art project of the decade. Here's what they're saying, you know, with a giant disclaimer about the end, about visual effects, causing Epilepsy, causing anxiety, psychosis, manic behavior, addiction, aggression, insomnia, and restlessness and otherwise healthy individuals. It has over 280 features on it as well. And it's just maybe from an aesthetics perspective, it's not going to be for everybody. But from a cultural commentary perspective is an absolute slam dunk and absolutely amazing.
1: I like it from the cultural commentary perspective. Yeah, perspective,
0: and it's something that is like in, on theme with all of this artist's prior work as well.
1: They have a, a piece previously on Art Blocks, right?
0: Uh, they've had a few pieces on Art Blocks already. I think this is their fifth or sixth one. Oh wow! Mm-hmm.
1: It's a very different aesthetic. Than what we normally see in generative art. It looks like it makes use of just like a lot of emojis and pre-rendered components. But I bet that they
0: well, you can create those with those um, like an emoji is with like code. a yeah. yeah, it's just like a letter.
1: It's a kind of good send up of like NFTs and crypto in a lot of cases, a lot of the language that they're pulling and even some of the visuals are like trying to be graphical representations of the types of things that people say. But yeah, I don't appreciate the way it shouts at you
0: <laughs> No, when
1: you play it. Like I kind of appreciate the more it. still art pieces then. Yeah.
0: Everything is kind of just like a commentary about crypto, crypto society, the types of belief that we have the degradation of society and culture, not just through the crypto lens, but also through an internet lens in many respects. And everything that Steve puts out is just crazy. You know, there's a non NFT project called Terminally Online, which <laughs> is just a series of like flash web pages that are very early 2000s, late nineties. Like there's one that's a, a screensaver that just text that says, stop throwing your money away. And it just bounces around the screen. Since opening with this web page, 50 people have died. Your death is coming. Are you prepared to die? You know, it's just, (laughs) it's like very internet. It's very early internet.
1: It's very internet, yeah. Yeah. It is.
0: You know, there's a plottable piece called Instructions for Defacement, which is on plottables.io. If you put a dollar bill into a plotting machine, this will deface it in a way that looks really great.
1: That's cool, actually.
0: Putting Sharpie over the dollar signs, it's... Drawing eye patches on George Washington. It's drawing a bunch of weird glyphs and signals in the white space. It's talking about money and belief of money. To me, like, this isn't art that I would want to have on my wall. Let's not pretend that it is, but it is art that if I saw it in a gallery or a museum, I would probably sit there and think about it for 10 or 15 minutes. That's like the type of thing that. I think we need more of in this space. I feel like a lot of crypto art, a lot of generative art doesn't necessarily have a point of view. You know, it's people trying to make things that they think look cool or look great, but I appreciate there being a larger message behind it.
1: For the most part, people who are trying to make art that makes more of a statement are not getting financially rewarded for it. So,
0: Yeah. And that's where I appreciate art blocks taking, like I would say, huge risks with their curated pieces between this. You know, there's Human Unreadable before. There was the Still Moving by Nathaniel Stern and Sasha Styles. Those three things, they're all works that kind of fall outside of that generative art norm that we see so often. And I think that I like to have more of that even. Agreed. So that's my rant.
1: No, I like it. And I appreciate the amount of research you did on a short week. It's definitely sold me on it. And I think it gives us also something to think about as we collect. Yeah. Where should we go from here do you want to talk about the Joni Le Mercier piece the yeah. redeemable
0: we've already touched on it so what
1: let- you do the whole French pronunciation because this is like you're way better at this than me
0: I took French in high school it is outside of my brain right now but I believe it's nuage passive 100 editions a Dutch auction that started at 750 and then went down to 350 but is now back up to 450
1: <laughs> right a little bit of an interesting move there but allowed. yeah. There's still about twenty three left, a few open, and then a few from people who got onto a reserve list through his Discord, who have not claimed it yet. You didn't catch any of this, the FX Fam, did you? You don't really know the story of this artist. No, or, or I was, up? I think,
0: driving that week, or I was at the aquarium. One of those two.
1: Gotcha. So yeah, I I didn't know very much about Joni at all because he doesn't have any other work on FX Hash, and you know, I think he has some work on Object from or now an object, probably from some pre-object entity from way back, because he is one of the reasons a lot of the folks on the FX hash team found Tezos to begin with. He does a lot of work with environmental themes and a lot of activism. And early on, when he was starting to release NFTs on ETH, he was asking a lot of questions of like platforms about environmental impact. And this is back before ETH had transitioned to proof of stake. So there was still quite a bit of energy use associated with just using the blockchain in general. And he was kind of displeased with how difficult it was to get straight answers from people and then sort of researching himself. And that's how he came to Tezos, you know, one of the artists who kind of appreciated the green chain narrative at the time. And I think he was very vocal about it, which is how a lot of people who followed him from the traditional art world came to find NFTs and Tezos for the first time. So kind of a critical player in art on Tezos in a way and kind of elevating it and bringing visibility to it. And now, I assume, with you know, in collaboration with the FX Hash team, it's part of the reason w- why they reached out to him. So that's kind of the story as I understand it. And it makes sense from kind of a history of the platform and the people involved in it. So
0: that sounds very thorough.
1: A lot of big people minted this one. Obviously, we have, we've got Cypher, Zancan, Can, other artists, other well known collectors. I think a lot of people really like or knew of this artist from off the platform. But what do you think of the piece? I mean, have you gotten a chance to sit down and play with it?
0: A little bit. Mostly just through looking at the thumbnails of the the pieces that people have minted. It is a params project. And, you know, just all of the variation and the beauty of the clouds as they come through, especially I think at like weirdly like the preview sizes. There's so much to see here and it's just giving you so much depth and beauty. I will say that I, I hate the pen image.
1: I hate the pen as well. Uh, I think I would
0: (laughs) be much more inclined to mint if that was not there, like way more inclined to mint. But that doesn't take away from the pointless and beauty that is there within Mm. like the other cloud space.
1: At least with the physical, the pen would not be there. But yeah, I don't like how it's there in every single image. I have found that like looking, you know, just scrolling the gallery of the ones that people have minted, these thumbnails look really good. You get such a great sense of the texture. Mm Mm-hmm and a lot of more the definition of the cloud. But when you click through and just look at a single piece on its own page, like comparing how it looks on a page by itself versus in the gallery, I feel like you lose so much of the detail the bigger these things get.
0: In the gallery or in the, the preview?
1: Looking at it by itself, the bigger it gets, like, the harder it is to see the, the detail. And that was one thing, Like I came close mm-hmm. to minting this a couple times just because it's like the first redeemable. I have kind of a wall of like white ink on black paper pieces that this could go well on the artist you know has a great story and is pretty well known so I was like okay 350 it's at the bottom tier like this seems like a pretty good thing to take a shot on even if I don't like love it love it but every time I would play with it I just felt like I wasn't getting in the params view especially where it's even bigger I just wasn't getting like a lot of that cloud feel from it mm-hmm
0: I think that's also a part of like the pointillistic nature of it in respects. You know, it's going to be highly dependent on the number of points drawn, and also, you know, going back into things from impressionism, you know, your distance to the canvas. And so, when we're looking at it on a screen, our int- our faces are like eighteen we're inches right there. away, yeah. And so, you lose a lot of it. You're seeing the dots. You're not seeing. You're seeing the trees, not the forest, right?
1: Yeah, and I considered that because where it would be in my office i'd always be pretty close to it yeah so if i'm like standing in the hall looking in it would probably look great from like 10 feet away yeah but even just backing up up a foot
0: makes a huge difference mm -hmm. but yeah i I agree with that sentiment it's something that doesn't detract from the piece itself i think it detracts from the perception of the piece if that makes sense but i think it's really spectacular like i think that it looks better the more points you have and the fewer points you remove, which are two of the params. Mm-hmm. But the other controversial part is that this does use pre-rendered components, but in a very different way, yeah. right? It's not like, oh, we have 25 pictures of a cloud, pick which one you want. There's a lot of work to be done to see where within the cloud you're looking at. Like what's the angle? It's more than just pick your cloud picture.
1: Yeah, there's like 120 seeds. And I believe these are like based on AI generative images of clouds Mm -hmm. that the artist made. I'm not sure what they used to make it, what model. But yeah, once you start playing with things like cloud position and scale, each one individual seed, it feels like you can get so many different angles and views of it. So to me, it's not that different from the pre-rendered image use of artists like Avona or Thomas Noya, Mm -hmm. where it's just kind of the nature of how you have to deploy these things because you can't generate them live. So you take these pre-rendered images and then you do all of your code-based stuff on top of them. So it it didn't really bother me. I was kind of surprised to see it come up. Maybe it was just because it felt unexpected with the way that the piece is presenting itself. Yeah,
0: Um, and I think it's something that, I don't know if the pre-rendered component tag was there from the very beginning, but I think it was Mm. mostly, people were surprised by it more than anything. And I think that in comparison to an Evona piece, Maybe studies in Digital Atom versus Mythic latent Glitches. Studies in Atom, it's not obviously pre-rendered components. Same with a lot of the Noia pieces. It's not obviously pre-rendered. Whereas obviously this, it's figurative in nature.
1: It's like taking the image and just reconstructing it in a pointillist fashion versus like dithering it and doing all of this other yeah. stuff on top of it. And I guess that's maybe the distinction. It yeah. still doesn't really bother me. It doesn't bother me. me either. And I think overall this is like a good success I mean, it's almost minted out. I'm not really sure what the motivation behind the uptick in price is on
0: it. uh, Reading through some Discord comments um, and just like the conversation that was happening, it's more than 350 tests to actually create the plot. Mm. And so the hope was that this would have minted out like at a higher tier pretty quickly, which is probably Mm. one of the reasons why it was only 100 editions. But then if it sat at 350 for a while, it was probably going to lose money in the long run, which... Wouldn't gotcha. be sustainable. So that's why I assume that the price ticked back up to 450.
1: That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it makes sense. Yeah.
0: Like I think each plot takes over 10 hours to create.
1: Well, hey, my three-fold plot took 18 hours to create and I got that for 90 bucks. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure where the 350 number comes from or what why it's so expensive.
0: It could be paper. It could be, you know, the, the white on black might be more expensive. You could
1: be outsourcing it to someone mm-hmm. to do the plots who are then charging their own premium on top of it.
0: It could be any number of things. And also Joni values his time. Yes. You know, of he values his work. And if at three fifty it's literally not just giving it away, but
1: taking a loss. Taking a yeah.
0: loss. I get it. I wouldn't want that either.
1: Overall though, I feel like the project's probably gonna mint out. It's at seventy seven out of hundred. At some point I'm sure they'll hand over these reserves. It might take some time, but it feels like it's gonna mint out. And this is a really good example of FX hash doing something proactive and bringing an artist who's not necessarily known for generative work over, Mm -hmm. right? And getting them to release on the platform, kind of like we've seen some other platforms do. So I think that's good. I think that's like kind of a positive move by them to be pushing to get these more well-known artists onto the platform.
0: Yeah. I think that we're all looking to bring more of the the physical side of the work into our spaces. I mean, I was thinking about this yesterday, you know, that Olivia Newton-John song, Physical.
1: Let's get physical.
0: That needs to be your theme song because that's where you're at these days
1: my uh iskra print just arrived oh i haven't opened it yet sitting on open i don't want to open it until i take it to the framer
0: you'll have to get pictures and you know again the tonic print quality we have to get that figured out
1: do a little side by side for sure yeah for the sake of moving on where do you want to go next do you want to talk about fake whale this cross-generative release on object
0: yeah it's not fx hash it's not alba it's not long-form generative art but It's still generative art, so let's talk about it.
1: It's still generative art. It's like curated addition to pieces from artists that we know from the generative world, like Yazid, Melissa Wiederecht, Stefano Contiero, Antonio Worley, just to name a few who released as part of this. And Fake Whale, as best I can tell from their website, fakewhale.xyz, is a collector or a group of collectors. And you can see their entire collection on display. So maybe it's kind of like a, a DAO. Honestly, very hard to just like figure out if it's one person or multiple people but they have brought together this group of artists to create this little release of pieces. And it went over really well. I mean, people were saying that they were priced really affordably. I fully missed it. I had like, no, didn't know this was coming at all. Mm-hmm. This kind of came out of nowhere. Quibibi is in here as well. Wow. So I just noticed it later when I was catching up on discord, how everyone was like, did you get that? That was only like, however many tes. It was like all very affordable. Mm-hmm. But
0: I think it also all went out in one block.
1: Uh, it went out fast. Yeah.
0: yeah the, uh, the Stefano Contiero pieces went out in one block, which is insane.
1: And I'm sure the Yazids went out pretty quick as well. Like the floor on that one is over 600 Tez now. So I think this is kind of an interesting case of a collector. I mean, w- couldn't you imagine like a Lamont doing something like this <laughs> now too? Like a collector or a group of collectors that have a lot of maybe influence and also just connections based on their collecting. I feel like we're always hearing about like Lamont met up with so-and-so and and had dinner with Mm so-and-so. Like he must know enough people at this point that he could bring together like a similar type of drop if he wanted to. Mm -hmm. What do you think overall? I
0: really like a lot of these pieces and it's kind of the mashup of artist curated and edition pieces, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like these Stefano Contiero pieces, there are six of them and six editions of each. So total 36 pieces with a primary price of six TES, which is actually stupidly affordable. But you can see a lot of like the variation that really stands out. And when I'm on collecting on object, I don't mind if things are additioned. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, generally when I collect an object like that, my mindset just can totally changes. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I don't have an easy way to like view it all. <laughs> I'm mostly logged into FX hash and I don't see that work over here in my collection. And same when I'm like on Tender and I'm logged in, like I don't see the object work there either. And so I kind of just like collect it and then revisit it once every several months when I go back and I'm like, yeah, what is in my wallet? What do I have from object here? I wish there was a really good solution to see everything all together.
0: On object, (laughs) you can see everything all together.
1: Yeah. On object, you can. That's true. But I'm just never logged in there because it's not the primary place that I collect from. Yeah. So if, if I collect there, it's almost always because I'm following a link from Twitter or from Discord.
0: I do have to say that everything I've collected on object, I would say on average, I enjoy each piece way more than Mm. the pieces that I've collected on FX Hash, And I guess part of that is because of the curated nature of it. And I think the way that I think about object is different. All of the pieces that are released as a part of this fake well exhibit are amazing. They all look so good. Yeah, they do. The piece that I'm looking at right now is A Wash of Curiosity by Melissa Wideracht. It was five editions, 100 Tez each. There are still a couple of other of her pieces available on primary at 100. But a wash of curiosity just stands out in terms of like the colorways. And
1: it really does. It's
0: just so good looking. It's so good looking. The other ones look good too. It's just they...
1: This one just pops, pops more of the palette. Exactly. And also like the wave, like the amplitude of the waves and just like the way it's composed. That one's great. But that that's kind of like the interesting part of curating and picking... I imagine she had an algorithm here that she picked five out of and then she gave them these individual names of like what she kind of felt or saw in them, right? Like regret, inspiration, envy, curiosity, anticipation. And curiosity is maybe like the brightest emotion or the brightest feeling that she kind of found in all the naming and it kind of fits that piece. This is cool. I wish I knew more about the story of like how this came together. What was the pitch? Like if you're a collector like this. How does a collector or a group of collectors go and just say like, yeah, like just trust me, we're going to put it on object. It's going to rule. People are going to collect it versus a platform, right? Like mm. a, like who might be recruiting people or soliciting submissions.
0: There are types, different types of platforms. There's like the actual physical platform, like an art blocks or an fx hash. And then like there's more of like that brand platform of, you know, what are you saying? And so because fake is more of a, an entity, you know, there is a different type of value proposition there if you're doing long form generative artwork or just generative art it means that you don't need to finalize that algorithm so that it scales well across 500 plus outputs and also the fake whale cross as a brand it has existed for a really long time the first piece minted there was back in september and so they've done a series of releases that have theoretically been very successful mm-hmm. and you know, it's not something that's just coming out of nowhere.
1: Well, to me, it's new. <laughs> well, it's
0: yeah. most of the the work has been non-generative. It looks like just more of the traditional art side, perhaps some AI work in there.
1: It's an interesting time. You could literally just spend all week researching where things are dropping and what's coming up and what all these platforms are doing. And we have a few more to cover in shout outs here because... There were two different kind of platform or exhibition type things that happened on FX hash. Plus we had Evona Tau release something through the Kate Voss gallery. Verse has a new exhibit up. So where do you want to start? What's interesting to you?
0: Let's stick with generative art for right now. FX hash, you know, we already talked about TGAM last week. The one that I wanted to shout out from proof of X is somewhere in between, which is, um, gorilla sun in collaboration with proof of X and, Kumalian, which is a brand slash platform that was created by Okaz. There's, I guess, a little bit of a roadmap on that project. Haven't dug into it too deeply, but it looks like this was like a first big event by Kumalian. And I think that's where you see a lot of these reserves coming through.
1: First, I was confused, but I think that basically these are collabs in like name only because they just mm-hmm. put these other people on the contract. Like I looking yeah. at this project, I think this is just an original Gorilla Sun project and likewise with the others from the FX Hash account. They've kind of been amplifying the live minting experience that's happening at this Proof of X event, which I think is in yes, yeah, in Tokyo right now. They've done a lot of work to really customize and create like a live minting experience using params. And so there's some good video capture of that and photography. And looking at each project, one of the things these artists did, I think, in anticipation of that was they limited the number of params to make them quite simple. I think most or all of them include that basic like seed variation idea Mm -hmm. where you have a set number of preset designs to pick from. And then just for example, on the Gorilla Sun here, you can change the color, the color palette, the background color, the grid scale. And then one other thing here that they have called Hatcher Slant, which I don't know what that means. But keeping the choices down so people don't get too much of that paralysis and you can move mm-hmm. quickly, right? Like, oh, I like this composition. I'm going to find the color. You know, One or two more changes and then mint, which I think is pretty smart.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that just this piece overall, like release mechanics aside, it's really clean. It's really fun. It looks like it could be out of that Flatlands uh, exhibition by Alba, And I think it looks really great.
1: The one that I would like to shout out from here is... Psy operator, or I think silicon operator, because this is like supposed to be silicon's a theme with this one. And this is the Hal 09999 piece. It's very intensive. I think on my old computer I would not have been able to run this one and enjoy it.
0: It crashed my M1 laptop.
1: Right. It's the first time I've heard of something really crashing and messing up your computer. So this is another really cool particle simulator one, but it's a little bit different. It's like less cosmic, less um galactic from Hal's previous stuff, but still. Just absolutely fascinating and like wondrous to watch as it goes. And this one does some really cool things. It's still open for mint. Only 30 of them have been minted so far. So I would guess a lot of those maybe came from the live exhibit at this point. And maybe a lot of us sitting here on laptops are having trouble playing with it. But it is super cool. And you can even, when you're in the params mode, like lock it in to just being the flat image. So you don't have to like try to think about the animation. So you can kind of approach it that way and figure out what I want my thumbnail to look like. And then when you mint, it'll still have the animation mode. So that's kind of like a cool way to give people the ability to like get the thumbnail they want out of their animated piece, I thought.
0: I think that's amazing because imagine crashing your computer every single time you tweak a param.
1: Exactly. Ugh. You don't want to be doing that. I mean, maybe
0: you do, but no, no. I don't.
1: I thought you might like these because they kind of have a little bit of a um, a little bit of an organicon mm. vibe. But you said you weren't so big on the thumbnails.
0: No, I think I'm not as drawn to like monochromatic pieces. Gotcha. Uh, In many respects, I think that it can still look really fantastic. But, but, you know, it's what like we were talking about with Melissa's object release. It doesn't pop as much. I think they still look really amazing in aggregate, but it's not something that my eye is drawn to.
1: Very fair. That was definitely the one I wanted to shout out. The price points vary quite a bit on these. Some of them are as little as five Tez. And then I think the Howl one is the top end at 65. So a lot of fun, affordable, Paramus pieces here to go play with. What about Machine Hearted by Evona how
0: Yeah. Released
1: on OKAI.
0: It's their second, I believe, release when it comes to generative AI or long form generative AI. The first being the Gambrood piece that we talked about a couple of months ago. This is, I think, way more enjoyable and I think that we're seeing a lot of new stuff that we haven't really seen out of Vivona too much, at least in terms of themes, palettes, and colors.
1: Surprising to me. So much of her work we're so used to seeing, like, buildings, cityscapes, trees. So to see these this kind of blend of human figures and also, like, abstract painting, mm-hmm. it was a big surprise.
0: Yeah. And I, I love the, the palettes that are uh, expressed here. You're getting a lot of summertime human emotion within this. You know, I will say that very similar to what we sometimes see in generative art and what we saw with the Gambrood is that it looks like there are three to four different styles that are really emerging, at least in terms of like abstract painted piece, figurative painted piece.
1: Figurative, more photographic piece. Yeah. But I think there's more diversity here. Oh, like They definitely. definitely pushed it way more than the Gambrood, which was yeah. like these like very obvious six templates.
0: 100%. You know, you're still seeing like a core set of different, not algorithms per se, but prompt structures. Like is, are we going to go down like this particular style or that particular style? Not that this is prompt based, but you know what I mean?
1: There could be some prompt element to this. Like we don't actually know, like with all of bonus work, I'm sure there's like underlying images Mm -hmm. used to train, but we don't know what the entire like flow of the start to finish minting process is like. Correct. I think this is a good step for them to mm-hmm. kind of release this thing that has a lot more diversity and expression. It, I think it was a little weird that like the six or seven that they previewed didn't include any of these just like fully abstract painting types in it. And that was kind of a surprise I noticed when people started venting. It kind of looked like these were kind of going to be like Danielle's project, like all just like mm-hmm. faces and bodies and stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like the use of non-figurative stuff within the generative AI space. I think it's sometimes the most interesting stuff, obviously, that I'm biased because that's the type of thing that I like (laughs) to create. But yeah, I think it's super fun and also still super mintable. Only 32 of these have been minted so far. There's still 69 remaining. High five. Hell yeah. It's currently sitting at 0.24 ETH.
1: So go get one if you like it. Last shout out this week on Verse, kind of a different one from them and it's a non-generative piece it's a simple thoughts from kwampa it's a series of four one of ones i feel like i'd heard this name before but never looked into them as an artist because again they don't typically do generative stuff that's a huge blind spot that i know i personally have but the images themselves like really grab me in the same way that like you know sometimes like a qubit is just like whoa what is that like that's crazy and then reading these are made with microsoft paint (laughs) That is such an insane restriction to put on yourself, like as an artist, right? It's a pretty challenging tool to work with. And when you see the amount of detail, also the scale of these is really big.
0: Mm There's
1: 7,348 by 2,364 pixels. You're pretty familiar with like uprising and scale now from your AI work. That's reasonably big. big. That's really big. And just zooming in on these is crazy cool.
0: It also looks like part of that scale is important to the piece because part of it is about the artifacts that you get when you zoom in differently. So whether it's gonna become super pixelated or like become just different and weird and clean, you know it's almost random about what MS Paint can do and how it treats different types of lines and shapes. This is so good looking.
1: It's very interesting when you zoom in too because when you look far away, you don't get a lot of the fine detail or a lot of the fine detail just kind of becomes like texture and it becomes enmeshed within like just the greater like burst of what's going on here. But then when you zoom in, you're like, oh, there's like just an arrow. And I think in paint, you can just kind of like draw an arrow. And there's just all this use of like these random forms that MS Paint will just give you natively. Like there's hexagons, circles, stars that then can be kind of like deformed and moved around. So Mm -hmm. they're not just sitting here drawing it by hand with a mouse or with a little tablet, however they do it. But they're also making use of some of these things that paint offers. Mm -hmm. But it's so fascinating. It really, really draws me
0: in. Yeah. It's really showing what MS Paint can use as a medium when you use that as a medium, like all the tools. It is of paint. It is. I love this so much, oh my God.
1: Like if you zoom in and you take just like a screenshot of it, I don't know that I would be like, wow, what amazing art, you know? It really is like the sum is greater than its parts kind of composition to yeah. me. I wonder what these are gonna go for. I don't really know what this artist's other work, like one of ones go for. Right now they're all around 200-ish in bids, but they're still over a day. Mm-hmm. To go, and I, I would guess these would go into the thousands pretty safely. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think that's in line with what some other one of ones have gone for. Like the last set of quibibi one of ones, I think they each went for five or six thousand dollars each. Obviously, Quibi has a huge following in the the Gen art space. Those are the people who are really most in touch with what's happening on Verse. I would consider bidding on these if it stays in these price points for sure.
1: Oh yeah, I wonder if the random is going to come in on one who knows that would be interesting to see i mean they're big on one of ones
0: lonely boy is the top bidder for um one of the pieces currently but i assume that these will jump up like hugely in the last couple of hours and minutes of the auction
1: almost guaranteed this has been an art packed episode so far
0: which is great (laughs) is great i feel like we've had a lot of episodes that we're like where's the art (laughs) yeah i mean it's always there i guess
1: It is always there. We don't always find it. We do have quite a few things that we're looking ahead to. Let's just run through them really quick and then wrap this episode up.
0: So in terms of what we've already discussed, there's Spazio Colore by White Cross or Alessandro Fiore coming out on ALBA on June 26th, which is Monday. Definitely looking forward to that. It is a rebate Dutch action, as we said earlier. So get a bid in high. Is that the play?
1: I don't know. I mean, I only have like 0.05 something, so I have to wait a little bit or figure out getting some more ETH. If you think you want one at any price, you might as well get one at point one. And if it goes to the bottom, you're gonna get yourself a nice refund. So I imagine that this type of auction probably like on average brings up the price, right? Because people have that attitude yeah. of like, why wait? I'll just like buy it where I wanna buy it, make sure I get one and then see where it goes. And that probably drags up the average a little bit.
0: 100%.
1: So definitely looking forward to that one. Also looking forward to the first verse solos exhibition coming out next week on Tuesday. I think it's the 27th. Maybe we'll try to time our interview to drop that day as well. That is materialized by Geisen and Vanetti. We did an interview with Andreas Geisen. We're really excited to share that one with everyone.
0: Amazing conversation.
1: We still haven't seen what the project looks like, <laughs> I don't think.
0: <laughs> I don't think so. But um, you know, it looks like all of the projects there will be for sale in some fashion. Yeah. and you know, A lot of them are very based off of physical components. So we'll be... Super cool to see that and you know, branching out into the, the physical space. Cue Olivia Newton-John.
1: <laughs> the long-form generative is the one we haven't seen yet, which is yeah. like, oh, that's the one I think probably most people will be, it'll be in their price
0: range. Mm-hmm. Also coming out on June 26th is Invisibles by Isma Helio over on Art Blocks. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit before. It is a fun architectural piece that is loading very slowly on my computer at the moment. <laughs> Uh, as it draws each individual line, but it looks spectacular. I'm so happy for Smahelio to be accepted into Artbox. We'll see what happens with this one. It's a Dutch auction that starts at three and goes down to point one. From what I've seen from flipping through earlier, there's a ton of variety here. And I think it's been a while since Artbox has had a strong architectural piece.
1: We've been seeing whips for this for what? Six months easily, I would say. And then of course it has an export feature for an SVG, if you want to plot your own, or guess I'm gonna plot it for you, which is really cool, really nice. I mean, I would love to see this one do better than resting price and mint out quickly because it does feel like it's right in the zone that the art blocks fiends, especially, will like be interested in this. I'm hoping for a big success for Isma for sure. Definitely. All right. Last but not least, coming up next week on FX Hash, Tyvek is back with the Self Trilogy. It's going to be released over three days june 27th to 29th one a day and i think pricing has been released i thought i saw someone in discord saying they were going to be 32 tes. they're
0: 32 tez each and the release mechanics are if you are a tyvek holder you will be on the reserve list for the first project which is id and then if you mint an id you'll be on the reserve list for super ego and then if you mint a super ego and an id i, I need to refresh myself on those mechanics then you're allowed to get an ego
1: yeah an ego will be a params project yes that'll be one where you'll have full control over it each of the three collections will be 234 iterations 32 tes each so a little ambitious in the pricing maybe for the current market but people seem to be really excited about these i've only seen positive feedback and hype at least in the tender discord and of course a whole new round of uh who's tie back again did we ever figure out that was and (laughs) we haven't no we haven't there's been no public proclamations on that
0: you know i I will say is that there's a really amazing write-up about this trilogy going through all the thought process behind it in-depth discussion of freud is freud just you know a drug addict yes or no (laughs) you know what are the thought processes behind the way that each of these pieces looks how what does what do they represent not all artists go through and write, do their write-ups. Like Lisa Orth writes a lot about the work she creates. Amy Goodchild does. Maybe that narrows it down. Who takes the time to talk about their art?
1: Well, Tyvek certainly takes the time. Yes. I wonder if they'll port over this write-up to FX Text because they have it on their website right now. But might as well make some articles out of it. So it'll be very cool to recap and see how these play out in the current market. I'm feeling optimistic. Definitely. Well, anything else, Trendy? Should we wrap up this episode?
0: Uh, let's wrap it up. Let's get some food, more coffee, get back to work.
1: Sounds good to me. Hope everyone enjoyed this episode. That's it for this one. We'll be back again next week for our interview with Andreas Giesen and, of course, another episode. Thank you all for listening. Later.